This is Factual America. I'm your host, Matthew Sherwood. Each week I watch a hit documentary and then talk with the filmmakers and their subjects. When journalist Danny Casalero was found dead in a hotel bathtub, police ruled it a suicide. But his family and colleagues believe he may have been murdered for investigating a conspiracy he called the Octopus. A hidden organization connected to stolen government spy software, a string of unsolved murders, and some of the biggest U.S. political scandals of the 20th century. We are joined by Christian Hansen, who has pushed to uncover the secrets behind Casalero's death, and the director, Zachary Treitz, who all the while filmed his friend in his pursuit for the elusive truth. Join us as Zachary and Christian discuss what it is like to go down the rabbit hole of conspiracy and scandal. Stay tuned. Zachary and Christian, welcome to Factual America. How are things with you, Zachary? Things are great. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, great to have you on. And Christian, how are you? I'm excellent. So nice to be here. Yeah, just to remind our listeners and viewers that we're talking about American Conspiracy, The Octopus Murders, Murders, should say, The Octopus Murders, Netflix docuseries releases on February 28th. Congratulations, great to have you on, and all I can just say is, wow, this is um, one, hell of a, one hell of a story. I've had the pleasure of watching it, and it's all four episodes. Uh, usually we kick things off by asking uh, one of you, I was going to direct this to Zachary, to tell us what is Octopus Murders all about, but my goodness, we 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 don't have enough time, do we? It would take, we'd be here all all day, all night. So maybe give us a brief uh, synopsis uh, about American Conspiracy: The Octopus Murders. Yeah, so we'll just take the next six hours of your listeners' time here. <laughs> um, it, it, there's a lot of ways to look at this, but I'll just try to do it a way. Right, yeah. the story is really about. For us, for Christian and me, a journalist named Danny Casalero, who was found dead in a hotel room in 1991. And under mis- what some people thought, his friends and family thought were mysterious circumstances, it was ruled a suicide by the authorities at the time. And it's really about us and mainly Christian um, looking at what happened over the last year of Danny's life and what led him to that place. And it's about... So Danny was an investigative journalist, a novelist, a poet, a writer, kind of a man about town in general in the D.C. area. And he was looking at first this software product called Promise. Um, Mm -hmm. It was allegedly stolen by the Justice Department and used to create um, a spy software for Mm -hmm. digital surveillance. And he started looking at a um, series of related scandals that kind of stem from that, which includes a... um, a reservation in Southern California called the Capazon Indian Reservation, where a um, one of his sources said that he had pro- pirated the promised software and um, other scandals such as, <laughs> as it gets weirder, the October Surprise, mm. which is the idea that Reagan and his team had conspired to keep the hostages that were in, in, in Iran at the time. Uh, there to sabotage Carter's re-election and uh, various intelligence scandals from the 1980s. Uh, that's the kind of Iran-Contra world of of 80s conspiracies that, you know, yeah. some of those are real. 
Well, I mean, you know, I- indeed, uh, I was going to say I'm, I'm a bit older than you two. Um, we knew how to do conspiracies and scandals back then. Uh, they they were pretty big and large. Just look at Iran-Contra, because a lot of the stuff your film talks about seems pretty crazy and outlandish, but then not much different than Iran-Contra and sending birthday cakes to the Ayatollah and doing all kinds of crazy stuff that was going on. Uh, just going to take this a uh, moment to give a spo- just to say a spoiler alert for our listeners um you know this i this episode well this episode this recording of the podcast well i think will be released on february 28th which is the same day as uh the uh the f- films releasing um so, i mean it doesn't even do it justice to say there's many unex- sort of unexpected twists and turns uh just to give you a flavor even the Zapruder film about JFK's assassination gets a segment. So do yourselves a favor, pause this episode if you're worried about such things as spoilers and things, and, and go watch it. It's on Netflix. I'm sure you've got that. And then and then come back. Appreciate that. It, it is important for certain surprises for us narratively to, exactly. you know, to you as we intended them rather than just being uh, told to you by us post facto yeah and we're i mean and just to say if you're for those listen we're not gonna we're not gonna get into the nitty-gritty of the well we, like we said we wouldn't even have time uh this could take we could have a whole podcast series maybe something you've thought about or but uh on um just looking at this but uh yeah so there you go it watch it and then come back because as we were now talking about you're saying this, this, this trying to give a synopsis there are many ways of you know there's it's a it's a it's a trite expression, but there's many ways of peeling an onion. And my goodness, this one's got a, a lot of layers to it. So, we're talking about Danny Casalero. Um, now, I think what you were alluding to all these scandals. Um, so he was this writer, journalist, and he sees this interconnected web of scandals at the heights of power. And as I sort of alluded to and revealed my age. Um, um, I mean, I lived in D.C. in the 1990s, um, and just for clarity for anyone, I did move there in August of 91, but it was wow. two It was two days, it was two weeks after the, so I was not anywhere near Martinsburg, West Virginia. Um, I was, I, mom can vouch for me, I was, I was in Texas. But yeah, no, I, I do remember this, I remember these scandals, not as clearly, they'd kind of passed away from my my memory, if you will. So Christian, I mean... How did you come in contact with the story? Because most of this stuff happened before I would gather you were born or you were at least very little. Yeah, I stumbled upon the story, really. I was doing research into the private prison industry. And if you remember in episode two, you learned about this corporation called Wackenhut. Right. They had um, started either the first or one of the first uh, private prisons. But that was sort of, that came later in a long line of, um, private security uh, operations that this huge security company based in Coral Gables was involved in. And Danny was looking into the Wackenut Corporation. And just by the name association, um, I found um, an article about Danny and it uh, blew my mind. Right. Right. And I wanted to know more. And, you know, all, all these scandals that are from before my time that are name checked uh, in, you know, this early article, it's a, mentioned that he was looking into October Surprise and our Contra and this Promise software. I was like, needed to know what all that stuff was. Right. And, and yeah. And so you just, because this is, how long ago is this that when you first got in, um, interested in, in I think, uh, I think 
it was 2012. Right. It's 2012. So I was 25 years old. <laughs> right. Either 2011 or 2012. I can't remember. Um, okay. It was about then, 10 or 12 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And then Zachary, how did you become involved? Well, I'm really involved because of Christian. And Christian and I grew up in Kentucky together. We were did friends. You? Okay. Yeah. So um, we, you know, Christian moved to New York right before I moved to New York. We were very close friends. And he was working for the New York Times as a photojournalist for a long time. And kind of in between stints, he started telling me about this Danny Castellero story and all of our friends. Right. You know? And it was, it was for me, it just had very, I had no, never heard of it and I had no relationship to it except for through Christian. So I wouldn't have made this if I didn't know Christian, you know, I'm just not, I come from the fictional filmmaking world, really independent films, uh, previously, uh, love documentaries, but I'd, I'd never made anything close to what this is. Um, so I, uh, you know, if, if I can interrupt, I mean, Zach is a really good listener and he would not be scared. And he's an, an iconoclast uh, kind of in nature. And he would give me really, he would push back uh, uh, really hard a, a, on mm. different kind of things that I was digging up and coming up with and, and which, you know, also involves, you know, he, him learning um, himself about the case through this so Socratic process of him being my mm. dear friend and, and listening to me and, and giving me notes and being a sounding board. Um, right. So he was inadvertently well versed on the case. Like as the years went on, you know, we continued t discussing it and he'd give good feedback. Mm. And so you were back. So in your, a lot of your spare, from what I gather from the film, a lot of your spare time was spent, on the trail of Danny Casolaro, uh, spending a lot of time following his leads, uh, tracking down contacts, gaining, I guess you gained access to his notes and his manuscripts. Um, what did you find? Again, how much time do we have? But what was, you know, what, 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 what were you finding as you were going down this, this, this path? I mean, I mean that that is a tough question because I found I found a lot. Uh, one thing that really helped was that I took all of his notes, which are like if you look at any journalist's notes, it's like a lot of um, mm -hmm. scribbles and da dashes and underlines and circles, and it makes sense. Like you look at my notes, it might not make sense to even Zach, but it make actually it probably makes sense to Zach, but it make it makes mm -hmm. perfect sense to me. It's. Um, but what I did was I put it into this um, computer software and annotated all of the notes so that I could like type in any mm. any name and and find every occurrence of the name and and just sort of like cross reference it. So because it, it's thousands of pages of of scribbled handwritten notes, right? And that way I was able to you know quickly kind of dive through and cross cross reference them and then he also had um decent chunks of writing in in the form of um book proposals so that was also a, a guide and then when you just like kind of on top of that um learn the material you know the subject matter that he was looking into and and you know he's referencing different names who are these people are they still alive can you talk to them you know right. and then just eventually the 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 thing becomes more clear. Okay. 
And so what he thought he was on to um, was, an, again, this intricate web of deceit and deception and espionage and all kinds of things, which he termed he, – did he's the one that came up with the term the octopus? Is that is that right? Um, that's correct. And Yeah, I mean, that, that's not, you know, some wildly crazy original thing. I, mean, I think and, the octopus imagery in relation to crime and right. – um, organized crime and various cartels over the last century is, you know, the crack, right. just it's kind of, kind of image, but he was the first person to kind of put that stamp on this series of interconnected stories. And if I could just kind of really quickly frame it, it's it, how I think about it is, you know, Danny was, you've got individual scandals, like we've already mentioned, October Surprise, uh, Iran-Contra, there's a BCCI, which is a banking scandal, all these different things, Insulaw, and and each one of them is a whole web of different people and scandals, whatever. What Danny's thing, what's sort of unique about it is him seeing the interconnectedness and creating this almost theory of everything, kind of, right. Uh, right. you know, you think in physics, like the theory of everything, bridging the the, the sort of hmm. Einsteinian physics with the quantum uh, quantum mechanics. It's like there's no, you know, there's no way to fully do it, but he was trying to pull all these things and see that they're all interrelated. They must be interrelated because the same names keep on popping up. Right. Um, so that's, that's the kind of unique part of what the octopus is in terms of that era of scandals. It's this theory of everything. Okay. And it's not, I should say, our theory. It's his theory. Yeah, exactly. I, same- I would have put Alan Dulles uh, on that list. He didn't. I don't know why. I mean, but either way, just saying. The uh, former uh, head of the CIA. Is that the John? It's related to John Foster Dulles, right? It's his brother. Yeah, yeah. Who? Yeah, hence your comment earlier about the uh, Catholic nature. I think of the because uh, there's a brother who's also a was a priest. I think. Um, oh, really? Yeah, but anyway, um, wow. So you, Zachary, again, what did, so I think what your film, Real Document, I mean, a lot of people thought there are people who questioned uh, Danny Casalero's sanity or how his mental state was going at the time. Um, you're following, you essentially, rough, you know, 30 years or more later, following down these same paths, um, um, Christian. I mean, what is what is it like to watch your friend go down a rabbit hole of of conspiracy and then to follow them? Because then you follow him along on this journey, don't you? Um, yeah. I don't think I had any relationship to conspiracy theory world, if that's, you know, the yeah. conspiracy theory industrial complex. Right. Uh, before right. this, you know, like I said, I don't think I would have been I would have even known about this story really um because it happened when christian and i were danny's death happened when christian and i were six years old right in kentucky <laughs> um one so, state over weirdly yeah that's true yeah. um so the feeling of going going into it and i think you you see this what we tried to capture in the film i, I think is a it's a very subjective ultimately very subjective mm-hmm. point of view that we have which is kind of this Russian doll effect of my view of Christian's view of Danny's view right. of all right. of what happened, you know, right. but essentially what it is, is, is what it's like to get sucked into this kind of story and this story specifically um, when you start meeting the people who are 
um, telling you this information and trying to parse what's real and what's not. And so I watched Christian for years go go into this, and me and my friends, we all um, had some concerns. You know, I mean, we were <laughs> his sisters, and I would talk about it's like you know, do we need to intervene here because things are getting a little weird and right. scary um, in terms of you know, uh, you know. Not, not scary scary but just like is christian going too far into this thing once you dip your toes into it what i found it's almost like a a tar that <laughs> some sort of magic ooze that kind of gets into you as soon as you touch it it's like what they say about the abyss you know you stare into it and it stares back like this is that story you touch it and it touches you and it kind of consumes you and you see that process happening probably slightly inadvertently with between both of us in the in the end of this thing um so uh it's 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 a in my mind a slightly cautionary tale of the popular maxim of do your own research Mm. yeah i had a very fulfilling career as a photojournalist in new york city uh won awards uh had mentors that were at the top of their game and um I was just, uh, you know, writing a paper about the private prison industry. I was not planning on throwing my photography career down the tube and, yeah, disappearing into a world of 1980s uh, espionage research. <laughs> right, right. But it happened. And did you question your own sanity? When oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and also, you know, I, I didn't really care that much about conspiracies before mm-hmm. and... I um I, I had to figure out what the world was. What in part of part of the process I was vetting, you know, nineteen, yeah. you know, eighties, seventies, sixties, nineties, two thousands conspiracy right. literature to see what's bunk and what's you know, what's interesting. Um, I think that takes us for to a good point for a, a, a break for our listeners and viewers. So we'll be right back with Zachary Treitz and Christian Hansen, the filmmakers behind American Conspiracy, The Octopus Murders, released on February 28th on Netflix. You're listening to Factual America. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or X to keep up to date with new releases or upcoming shows. Check out the show notes to learn more about the program, our guests, and the team behind the production. Now back to Factual America. Welcome back to Factual America. I'm here with Zachary Treitz and Christian Henson, the filmmakers behind American Conspiracy, The Octopus Murders, released on February 28th on Netflix. So we were talking about the world of conspiracy, the world of conspiracy theory, and how it... uh, it's it it seeps into your pores, I guess. I think tar was the uh, also uh, the other mixed, you know, the, another analogy. If I'm going to mix metaphors, um, Christian, you you encounter some very interesting people in this whole process. Using interesting in the southern way of using interesting, I guess. Um, as you were following cold on Danny's Casalero's trail, I mean, would you? Did you ever feel like your lives were threatened? Did you ever receive death threats? There were times, there were dark times early on before Zach joined me when I was still just alone when I kind of wanted something to 
jump out of the abyss because then I would know I was really onto something. Um, but I mean, no, there've been like weird little instances, but nothing, nothing overt. Yeah. Thank, thank God. Um, no, yeah. um, no major, uh, threats, no direct threats. Okay. I think the key in the, we show some of this is that people are often warning us that something bad could happen or that we need to be right. careful. Right. And fortunately for us, there's not been anything that has fulfilled those promises. Okay, because it, it, thankfully, <laughs> it, it, definitely. Uh, but the reality is, I mean, as you go through this, and some of the stuff just seems so fantastic uh, in the sense, one of the senses of the word. Um, other, there are many tales of woe here. There have been many. There, they're documented. There have been deaths. They are this people who keep popping up, who are then always popping up around the time that others that are in this web die as well. I mean, and Danny was himself warned on numerous occasions. Isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that part of the story is about several murders, um, hence the title. And it's about this larger, yeah. larger crimes and political crimes and things like that but they're kind of interconnected with a series of murders especially that happened on the west coast in the 80s right. um that we became interested in and we got a lot of document uh, documented um you know tapes and documents and various things um that i don't think anybody's ever publicly seen before right. so we always wondered you know the classic conspiracy question is it connected is it all connected and right, right. i think that our goal was to find out the truth one way or another and well i'll leave let people just experience it but i right. think we back up the uh several of our theses with uh evidence that yes there were some connections here and they're yeah. pretty wild yeah. yeah for as wild of a story that we're telling it's it's extremely well documented. Yeah. And yeah, so this brings, so how do you tell this story? So, you know, and, and then how do you pitch this talk? Because I think there's a point in the film where Danny's, well, let's face it, he's got money woes. He knows he needs it, wants to get an advance on a book. He's going to go pitch this book, but it's too broad. It's too wild. It's too wide ranging. They want, no one's going to publish this without more proof. You must have been thinking you were going the, in the exact same direction, didn't you? I mean, when you're making this, like, well, we were in the same spot that Danny's in. Yeah, it's a it's a task where you're you're repeating his, history. You're hopefully yeah. not repeating every bit of the history, right? Right. So that was that was this a struggle for us. I mean, Christian and I have been batting this around, and we we. You know, we got really lucky with who we worked with on this. The the same two groups of producers who did Wild Wild Country mm -hmm. uh, found out about this story, and they were, you know, young and hungry enough to right. be willing to go along on the journey with us, and they were confident enough. Which is which is why you know, like I said, we don't we'd never done anything like this before in our lives, right. so. Uh, we got really lucky in that in that respect, but I think that for me and Christian can can tell his own side of it. But part of the excitement 
of doing this and part of the giant amount of fear in terms of not in terms of safety but in terms of storytelling and being able to pull this off was starting a story where you really don't know how it ends and i think right. a lot of documentaries whether we like to think of them as uh you know happening on the fly on the wall sort of verite style or not right. have a good idea of where they're landing this thing mm. and we just this is about us not knowing what's going on and us trying to figure it out as we went along and that is why it's both exciting and was uh terrifying to make for me at least yeah. and to anyone that didn't mind the spoiler alert it is well we do land the plane in a, in a <laughs> okay in a, a field uh it's a field but it's nice yeah it's a meadow yeah. really dry earth yeah. um there was an amazing moment and so you know zach's talking about worrying about landing the plane i mean there was times when we were trying to take off right. you know right. there was one time where we had the crew booked to come and do interviews um on the west coast we we did a lot of the interviews during COVID, COVID, so right. we basically had to like rather than kind of cherry pick everybody fly here there wherever we uh we had to um book them out you know and so we do it in a caravan of like two or three cars with the mm. camera people the you know right, we had right. a small crew but and so we me and zach went out first like a month early with no interview subjects and we just knocked on doors and and charmed people and 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 got <laughs> and got the interviews that we needed. That by the time the crew was on the plane, um, we you know we had the interviews ready. I mean, it was crazy. It was such a a, a mad dash and a, a furious project. It was amazing. Our friends in Netflix about how we did it. You know, just just anybody who's listening to this, don't mention this to Netflix that we were so flawed. You know. <laughs> see the pants but it was wild because we were we just really quickly it's like we started at the northern tip of california and we just right. drove to the southernmost port in california and so much of the story takes place and for right. one of the at least in california and so we just knocked on every single door of every single person who we knew was still possibly alive many right. of them even died since we started filming but um it was uh it was one way of doing it. I don't suggest it for anybody else. <laughs> we used to listen to music while we were driving around doing this kind of research, but at a certain point, things got so stressful. Zach just wanted to sit in silence. I, I, I would always drive, and then at some point, the books, <laughs> the books on tape stopped, and it's just music stopped, and we just grinding. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I mean, ultimately, one of the interesting people you meet is. Uh, Mike Riconosciuto, uh, who plays a big part in this story. And uh, ultimately towards, again, spoiler alerts, but at the end he says basically, um, ultimately you went with his structure, didn't you? He says, just present the leads, get it, get that in the can. And uh, so you, you, present the, you, you do present the leads and the interconnectedness. I mean, I don't know if he gets a writer's credit or not, but uh, um, he also says he promises to give you the answers once the doc is in the can. So has he? I'm <laughs> um, sorry, I just spilled water on my glasses. Yeah, no, no, are you he crying? Hasn't, yeah. <laughs> um, he hasn't. Um, I, yeah. we're we're still in touch, but I, you know, it's balls yeah. in his court. You know, right? We'll see. Right. No, Mike, but Michael it, has a lot of stories, and um, he told a lot of these stories to Danny, and he told a lot of these stories to us. And uh, I think for uh, for me personally, I was very skeptical of many of the things that yeah. Michael told. Still, am skeptical of many of the things that Michael told us. But 
what was weird was going through the process of researching often his most outrageous claims, we would do the research and find out that they were true or more true than not for a lot of stuff that, that um, it's almost, uh, you know, it's, it's strange to have somebody say things that seem so off the wall and you're just like, there's no way that's real. And then you find out it's true. And then they tell you something really banal and, and you're like, well, that could be true. And it's just not. <laughs> like like one example I, I got I, an example i like about michael is that he he would drop when we first met him in when we picked him up from prison he would drop a lot of names and so here we have all this footage of right. of him and so we're going through it and we're like all right so what what's true and what's not and so we're like, all right well let's like he's talking about this avant-garde theater in the san francisco hate ashbury district right. in the mid-60s that he says he was a part of and right. he's talking about the p names the people that that were the founders and were involved in this avant-garde theater called the straight theater and okay <laughs> I so, should, this, is, this is sort of like outside of the realm of the document. Uh, doesn't make it even like, make it into like, the documentary. I'm I missed sorry. that episode. It's just like there's so much background to Michael. This is just kind of like out, outside. Right, this right. Of so I, I called the founders of the street theater. And I was like, do you know this guy? Like, just like, was he there? You yeah. know, that's yeah. just what I'm hoping to answer. Was he just straight up lying about that in general? And not, not only was he there, but they volunteered. And Michael loves this story. They volunteered that he, the night that uh, Neil Cassidy from uh, Jack Kerouac's On the right. Road was doing a poetry rap to the Warlocks, which was the Grateful Dead prior to be calling being right. called the Grateful Dead. The night that he did this 30-minute rap, Michael Riccardo brought a laser from Stanford's laboratory <laughs> and used it as part of the light show and was like <laughs> bouncing this brand new laser light technology around the around the straight theater. So it's just like, you know, if Michael would have told me that story, I wouldn't have believed him. But, you know, he this guy that founded the straight theater, he mm -hmm. also said like he didn't like Michael and he didn't understand why he was around or why he was there, which also right. matched like Michael said that he was an informant. Um <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm getting too excited about Michael's San Francisco 1960s history, which is a story that uh, you know we haven't published. So I mean, it's this war. I mean, what? It's an interesting point. Um, what is it? I mean, uh, someone like Mike, but there are others who who spin. I mean, while you even get into this, actually, uh, these web spinners or whatever they're called, um, to do you think they just are so in the habit of obfuscating and doing all kinds of stuff like that that they just start themselves not knowing what's reality and not? Or do you think it's... Uh, do you have any insights? Because it's, it's just these... It's, I guess where I'm getting with is... I mean, because I was going to ask you some questions, but I don't think I need should ask you, do you believe in the octopus? What do you, you know, I mean, you let people watch this and you present it well in terms of the evidence you find. But... At the very least, what we can say, and whatever you think about conspiracy theories or not, or these conspiracies, there's this really odd group of people out there. They exist. You've met them. You've interviewed them. They're on the film. Who are in this really weird, fuzzy, hazy, gray world. Isn't that right? Matthew 
uh, Zachary Do we not even I, know? Yeah, go ahead. We, we have had so many late night discussions <laughs> at the end of the day about that exact topic. And, it, you know, our private discussions go into some very bizarre areas and, uh, and speculation. But, yeah, this MK Ultra is something that often comes mm. up as a theory. It's hard, very hard to get documents or prove any of it, but it's a, sort of a recurring theme. Like, yeah, I think that you know, since it's such a subjective documentary, I don't mind going a little bit out of the box of you know, journal straight journalism. Right, you know, right. we're interested in documenting in the in the show what's going on, but we're also interested in a very subjective point of view of like how uh, where are these people coming from? What is the story they're trying to tell? What is the purpose of their story to tell? And and since so many national security related things that this story touches on are so purposefully hidden, you know, they have to yeah. be anyway, anyways, um, that, you know, you, you can't help but go into the realm of speculation, right? Yeah. So I don't mind doing a little bit of speculating here, like Christian and I do, but I, I think that we talked to a guy named Doug Vaughn, who was a, who was a reporter and he, he, kind of goes into this theory about the web spinners. And I think that where I land on this and maybe Christian does too, is, you know, you can't, you, you can't fully land anywhere on, on, on the, a, such a complicated hall of mirrors kind of subject, but right. there seems to be a purpose behind everything that happens here. Right. And we talk, this, the third episode is called the game and we talk about the game. Um, but strong theory that I have is that there are, criminals and criminal enterprises that are involved with this story that Danny called the octopus. Right. And we showed some of those criminals and criminal activities. And these, some of these conspiracies seem to do a good job of mixing fact and fiction in a way that obscures the people who are actually benefiting from mm. highly lucrative activities. Yeah. And so those activities, some of them we show, some of them have been reported out, some of them have never been connected quite in the way that Danny connected them before that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, two bros like us who are <laughs> going into this world, we're maybe not the best people to even, you know, right, be experts right. on the subject, but it's almost like nobody else is going to take the pill to, to, to jump into this and just right, say, right. here, you know, just because something is murky, just because the water is murky, doesn't mean somebody shouldn't figure out what's in, right. what's possibly right. in there. Is I guess our philosophy. It's yeah. maybe not the most New York Timesian journalistic effort, but there's something to be said for simply jumping in and finding out what you see. Yeah, I mean, isn't it uh, one of the uh, deceased now, but one of the subjects in the film uh, Robert uh, Booth Nichols even says supposedly said to someone they hadn't worked hard enough no journalist has worked hard enough yet to really know the answers um, whether what he really meant by that you know I mean I mean I'm just thought I, sh I should I gotta watch myself I do have a years ago I had a I had a boss who we were all convinced had connections with a three-letter acronym three you know, yeah <clears throat> one of the uh, um, maybe south of the Potomac, somewhere there. Uh, but um, um, the thing that I, I mean, and I'm not in any ways linking him to this this stuff, but the thing is what I will say about anytime you meet sort of 
ex-spooks or, or people maybe in that world. In retrospect, I realized every single thing he's, you know, like if you and I saw each other in the, you know, going to make coffee at work or something, you know, run by the cubicle, or whatever, you just say some offhand remarks. You never, you realize that everything he said, he had thought of beforehand. He hmm. had, you know, there was a reason for every single thing he did. And it's like, I think it's, I don't know, again, it's all conjecture, it's speculation, but there's something about this world that even those that are the most well-meaning, even those who, let's say, they don't have any blood on their hands, uh, I think it's just a, it just, it's such a foreign world. I think maybe that's why no one, especially for people who are inquisitive, like yourselves and others, maybe that's why we've never really gotten to the bottom of this stuff. It's, it's so beyond the way we kind of see the world and operate. What what do you think about that? As a um, it's like stumbling upon an alien game, right? Yeah, yeah. You're interested in the game, but you don't know the rules, and so you try to play it. But there's people who know the rules, and <laughs> and it's, it's maybe even being improvised as it goes along. On top right, of all, right, it's extremely complicated, and it's a, it's a, the game essentially is one of information. You're passing information around. And you're trying to you're putting disinformation out there into the world, seeing who's going to bite on that and how the that information travels. And then you if you have another person like Robert Nichols maybe hates Michael Reconosciuto. So he puts right. this thing there about Michael Reconosciuto. He sees right. who bites on it. He watches the game of telephone. He calls all these journalists and yeah. sees what they say to the other person and how that gets to back to Mike. So he does he accomplishes several things. He gets to see what the what people know about him because he finds out the other the opposite flow of information he gets to insult yeah. michael or whoever his enemy is and he gets yeah. to see the structure of the communications that are happening yeah. so it's a pretty powerful and whether it's formal intelligence or not formal intelligence based kind of operation or game mm -hmm. um it's definitely one of information and, and some kind of intelligence gathering yeah. and christian i think there's a point in the film because you are as much as being, I keep saying, you're a filmmaker, you're also a subject in the film. I mean, you even get to play Danny, don't you? Uh, yeah, that's true. In the film, uh, which was, uh, that must have been, that's a, quite a scene too with his uh, his friend who remarks about how, how much you resemble resemble Danny in all this. Uh, but uh, uh, I think you're saying you don't know what to believe anymore. Is that, do you, do you believe anything anymore? What is that, uh, um, you know, when when you go, I mean, I, you know, it's a, I, I guess I, 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 don't I was always really, I was always really offended during like the carry uh, political uh, campaigns in the early two thousands about calling people a flip flopper. I've always felt like I don't have a stance on anything. I, right, I'm a, right. A, I want to keep learning, and and this thing is evolving and changing, and um, I, yeah, I don't. I don't know what I believe for sure about anything, um, yeah. especially not right off the top of my head. But um, I mean, I could rattle some things off. But yeah, uh, yeah. but more importantly, oh, go ahead, Zachary. You're about but to say something. Sort of like I think that movies like the ones that we made can get into a place of like, well, what did you really find? What did you find at the end of the day? Did right. Did right. He, or, or was right. he murdered? You know, and, and, and we present some evidence that hasn't been seen before or publicly hasn't been seen before, accounts yeah. that haven't seen yeah. before. Um, and I think we present opinions on those things. Yeah. They're somewhat informed, right? But 
over the course of the movie, we also present a lot of stuff that people just haven't seen before that that I think is pretty hard evidence in various right. cases. Right. right. And so, um, you know, yes, we're willing to 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 dance and and be fluid with our with our mentality. And a lot of this yeah. the, this film is is sort of in that sort of like, well, what can we believe? What do we believe? And I, I don't think that um, we land on a sort of play, place of like mush, but you do become Man. more open to the dance of this entire kind right. of story right. and being more fluid in terms of not necessarily having to have all the answers mm. but getting your best guess at the time much like how you know science or something is you know is supposed to work i mean we saw it happen to the editors we had uh four editors uh working for almost a year simultaneously on the show and they all got super deep into nothing's as it seems and they <laughs> it, it was an amazing experience and then and then another thing i want to point out is that you know the edit because the story is so complicated the edit took a really long time and netflix was really cool about being patient and letting us take the time that we needed to tell the story yeah. but the other thing is i did a, and i did a lot to service the edit of the film right. but when i had all of that those responsibilities done i still went to work every single day and i would continue working on the investigation and right. so by the time i mean by the time we got to certain points in the story it it, it had changed like right. you know especially when we get to episode three and we go to san francisco like i mean that was like at that point when we were filming such an active investigation i had just put all this stuff together and right. then we we're like we got to change the beach sheet up a little bit we got to go out to right. california like right. this is a big thing that i just figured out yeah i and, mean it, and it, go ahead uh, one last little salvo to that is like the day that we finished the edit the day that it was like this is done don't get to work on this anymore kind of thing you know like it has to go out christian gets a letter from the national archives and records administration nara that's yet another foia request freedom of information act request has been fulfilled and there's documents waiting for him in washington dc you know it's just like oh about Rob, about um philip arthur thompson Really? Because the yeah. thing is, what I was going to say—it was on New Year's Eve that I got oh that. Because, because <laughs> you got you, the the FOIA request finally came in to see the files from uh, Danny's case in in Martinsburg, West Virginia, right? And you were you were able to—I mean, there wasn't much left, but you were able to go. And that's something you you show at the end. You you're the first people to see this stuff in at least I think the guy says at least twenty years. Yeah. So, so did you go? And that and, took that took seven years to get those files. Yeah. So yeah, this, so have you gone and looked at those files about the? Uh, they just yeah. arrived. <laughs> so yeah, there and it's Zach misspoke. It's it's the Sacramento County Sheriff's Office. Um, oh, I thought it was a Nara thing. Sorry, no, it's actually. Well, there's so many know, of these. I imagine you get them, <laughs> get them all confused. So I, yeah, you know, right, uh, as soon as we finish, but we're very interested in continuing looking into Philip yeah. Arthur Thompson. We got to get out there. I know. Wow. Well, that brings us to, um, I guess, uh, we're actually coming to the end of our time together. So, uh, brings us to, um, um, I guess, one of the last questions is, uh, so what is next for you? Are you going to, you mentioned you're going to check this out. Uh, Zachary, are you going to return to scripted? Uh, what's, what's, what's next for you two? This isn't enough. 
You guys need more? <laughs> so long to me. I am happy. I am happy. You know, you know that is a very good, that's actually the perfect response to that question. <laughs> uh, I mean, unfortunately, for better or worse, there's other stories in this world that I think Christian and I are both interested in telling. And there's right. stories completely outside of it that we're interested in telling. Mm-hmm. And uh, it kind of just depends on, we just go where the nose takes us. Okay. I'm not trying to go back to freelancing for the New York Times as a photojournalist. I want to keep making movies. Okay. And shows. And uh, go ahead. I'm not burning. I, I, take me back. Uh, you know, the U.S. <laughs> Open was a great assignment. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but uh, I'll say the last question for you, actually, Christian, because uh, the film also, there, I forget her name, but there's an investigative journalist and she talks about what it's like to go through one of these. Uh, Sherry Seymour. Yes. Yeah, and so have you been able to withdraw from from all this, or has it is it is it still tempting? Is it is it something? Is it almost like an addiction you're going to have to fend off on a daily basis, or do you see that as being a choice that you have to make? She said it was. a choice. I, I think that the ideal is like finding some sort of balance. I mean, I definitely want to keep studying this material. I definitely want to keep. Uh, sharing what I've learned about it in yeah. intriguing and interesting ways. Um, but I also want to, you know, be healthy and live a long and fruitful life. Uh, maybe find a girlfriend, um, you know. <laughs> I, I, You know, we're about 50-50 in our audience. So, you know, I'm sure there's someone out there who would uh, be, be interested in, in meeting you. Um, and we got a younger demographic. Don't worry. Don't judge it on, on okay, me. Great. Um, but... Uh, uh, but no, I, I well, good. I mean, I think it's, uh, it's. I mean, I just say, I think it's been. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, for me, it's been. I mean, I lived in D.C. in the '90s. I said I've been to Martinsburg. I've been to a lot of these places. I've been to Sign of the Whale. Didn't think I'd ever. Oh, see I, Yeah, uh, back in my. Um, <clears throat> drinking days yeah so um this was the side of the well in Lowman's Plaza in Fairfax County. Uh, ah, no, not the one in D.C. Yeah. Not in Georgia. Uh, not not okay. Okay. Well, then I haven't been to that one. I think he went to both, but the, yeah. the scene, the, the he was more of a Fairfax, Virginia guy. That's true. Um, I've got my wife watching it because she's from she's from Alexandria, actually. So she's uh, she may have been to the side of the way. I know who's been to the side of the way. Lowe's Plaza. My my old father in law definitely had been. But oh, that's, great. Uh, that's 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 another story. Um, well. Guys, it's been great. I really enjoy it. Definitely recommend the film. Uh, it's um, it's a great uh, great piece of work. Four episodes. They they fly by. They're it's 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 amazing. And uh, just to remind our listeners and viewers, we've been talking with Zachary Trites and Christian Hansen, the filmmakers behind American Conspiracy: The Octopus Murders, released on February twenty eighth on Netflix. Check it out. Thanks again for joining us on Factual America. A big shout-out to everyone at Intersound Audio in York, England, for their great studio and fine editing and production skills. A big thanks to Amy Ord, our podcast manager, who ensures we continue getting great guests onto the show and that everything otherwise runs smoothly. Finally, a big thanks to you, our listeners. Please keep sending us feedback and episode ideas, whether it is on YouTube, social media, or directly by email. And please also remember to like us and share us with your friends and family, wherever you happen to listen or watch podcasts. 
This is Factual America, signing off. You've been listening to Factual America. This podcast is produced by Alamo Pictures, which specializes in documentaries, television, and shorts about the U.S. for international audiences. Head on down to the show notes for more information about today's episode, our guests, and the team behind the podcast. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and X. Be the first to hear about new productions, festivals showing our films, and to connect with our team. Our homepage is factualamerica.com.